As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is the Athletic Hockey Show Prospect Series. Hey everybody, hope everyone's doing good. Hope everyone has uh, had a nice holiday and off to a good start to their year. Um, Corey's going to kind of restart his phone and jump back in here in a second. If anyone wants to throw questions in the chat for me, in the interim, happy to to talk about anything you guys uh, want. Can do Red Wings, can do prospects. Uh, just for a few minutes until Corey jumps in, we'll just take him from the chat to start here. Thoughts on Team Finland? Yeah, it, it was a tough tournament for them. I mean, I, I don't think that's the kind of Finnish team we're used to seeing at this event. And um, usually, you know, I, I think Finland is even able to outperform its talent. Um, at events like the World Juniors, and why was it not able to happen this year? I'm not sure. You know, maybe it's kind of a you need kind of a, a really hot goalie to to sustain that style. I don't know, but um, I I don't think it portends anything for hockey Finland in general. I wouldn't make any big sweeping conclusions. It wouldn't surprise me if they're able to come back in the next couple of years and and be really good. But they didn't obviously have that elite player this year. That you know they didn't have a Lindell. They didn't have an Atu Ratu to to carry them through. So that would kind of be my, 
my first uh, thoughts on Finland. We were just talking about Team Finland, Corey, from Zach O. Do you have any kind of takeaways off of their tournament? We were just kind of talking about, you know, the uncharacteristic, uh, uncharacteristic showing from them at the World Juniors this year. Yeah, I just think there wasn't a, a ton of high-end offensive talent on that team. Team Finland has been kind of interesting at that tournament over the last decade. We've had, uh, obviously, some really, really good teams, several gold medals out of Finland. And then you had uh, a couple of years where they are actually in the relegation round. And then I think this team in general is just really underwhelming. Uh, like, there are still good prospects on that team and, and guys you think are going to play in the NHL. Uh, but I, I there was a lot of searching for even strength offense on, on that club. Uh, not a whole lot of guys who are making plays on a consistent basis. And like Joachim Kamel, I thought had a good tournament. And there were other players on that team who had decent showings. But but when they really needed a goal, like I was talking to uh, one of the international coaches while the tournament, during the, in the tournament, while they were playing in that quarterfinal against uh, Sweden. And he's like, there's no way they're going to win this game. They, they can't score goals when they need to, which, uh, you know, who knows, in a single elimination tournament, they probably could have each ecked out a goal or two. But uh, I, I think there was a, definitely a lack of skill on that team. And, and we wondered before the tournament, right, does, does Brad Lambert fit into that as kind of your, your game breaker, the guy who you can go to when you really, really need a goal, who, you know, maybe he's not the most structured sound player, but certainly he's got the skill set for it. It just didn't work out that way. Yeah, and it's kind of ironic that like Brad Lambert's best World Junior tournament might have been the one when he was a uh, a draft minus one, to be quite honest. It's it's and then the cancel tournament when he in his draft year, his last two did not go uh, in an ideal fashion. No, they didn't. Uh, we got a lot of questions here about Matvey Michkov, and I think most of them are seconding this one from Tyler N, which is how far could Michkov realistically fall? Corey, I've bugged you about this uh, several times over the course of the start of the season here, as we've had some guys, you know, coming into the year, it was Bedard and Michkov, and I think Fantilli was obviously around the periphery there. I think we've now moved into Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson, uh, as kind of the top three, which kind of raises the question of how far could Mitchkov fall? Is he is he a comfortable at this point after those guys he goes, or could he slip a little? It's really hard to tell because I think it's really like I was having this discussion with an executive yesterday about Mitchkov, and I I think we both agreed that it's really going to depend on what the ultimate draft order is. I think it's some teams are going to be more comfortable with it high in the draft than others. And and there are definitely some NHL people I talk to who think he is the second or the third best player on pure talent. That is not a consensus opinion by any means, but for a lot of scouts, he is very much in that mix still as a player. So it's going to really depend on which teams have those high picks and whether they're willing to tolerate that kind of risk high in the draft uh, versus just taking Adam Fantilli or Leo Carlson or, or Will Smith or Dalbor Dvorsky or some of the other options. Uh, but I, I would, if I was in that position, I would have a hard time taking him over Fantilli and we can have debates about whether he, where he fits on talent versus some of the other guys like Carlson or Smith. But uh, I'm not in that position where I have to make that decision with my job on the line. We talked on a podcast episode that'll air next week, I think, about kind of how ownership maybe plays a bigger role in, in decisions than sometimes people give credit for. Um, I guess 
are we looking for an ownership group here to be the one that signs off? Are we looking for a GM that feels really secure? Is it all of the above? Like, what's the profile of the team that is willing to take Mitch Kov as high as three or four? From my discussions with people in the league, uh, it, it's absolutely going to have a lot of ownership input into a Mitch Koff decision. And I think a GM is going to want to not have um, short-term issues on their job security. If you're using a premium asset on a guy you know is not going to be there for at minimum three more seasons. Yep, absolutely. Um Here's one from Patrick M. Are, are you concerned about Lucas Raymond? You know, we talked uh, the other day about, you know, the Red Wings' two big guys, Cider and Raymond, and what to make of their kind of sophomore seasons. I think we spent more time on Cider. And again, this will air uh, next week. Um, let's talk a little bit about Raymond. What's your sense been on him this year? He's still very good. Uh, and obviously, he's a very young player in that league. It's still playing a significant role on an NHL team at a very young age. Uh, you know, and he's he's a competitive player, but uh, when you are that size and you're not extremely fast, the bulk of your value has to come from your offense. And when you watch him, and he looks like he's skilled and a, you know a very a creative player, but when it's how do I put this? When it's not jumping off the page at you on a consistent basis, it's it doesn't get you excited about him. Uh, like it, and I still. I'm excited about this player. I think he's going to be a really, really good NHL player for a long time. But you would be hoping to see that offensive touch at a high-end level uh, a little bit more often. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, you know, when you look at him relative to most of his draft class, with the exception of Tim Stutzla, I don't think anyone's outproducing him at this point. So it's it's not so much to me about the raw point totals. I think you're just looking for when is that – because that's, that's his – his hallmark is, is his hands and his sense to me, the, the creativity and sense. And you just, I think you saw it a little more last year. And I, I think it's normal for young players to kind of go through adjustment phases, right? And it's not all at the beginning. You're going to do some things and the league's going to adjust to you and know what you like to do. And you got to make another adjustment. And I guess that's my feeling on where he is. Um, but I do think it's important for the Red Wings that, you know, Lucas Raymond be more than, than a good for, I think that they need him to be, you know, a 70 plus point guy ultimately to get where they want to go. And so um, it doesn't have to be this year. It just has to be in the next couple of years, right? Yeah. I want to get to a question from Scott S back to the draft where he asked, could Nate Danielson, who's a center with Brandon uh, in the WHL sneak into the top 10? And I think the answer is yes. I think obviously Bedard is the best player out West and, and the best player in the draft class. But in terms of the second best player in in the West, where that's arguably the most, uh, uh, where the league with the most talent in this year's draft class, I think there are four players that are squarely in that discussion for the number two slot. I think Danielson is in that mix. I think Braden Yeager from Moose Jaw, uh, Zach Benson from Winnipeg, and Samuel Honzik from Vancouver could all easily be the second player from the WHL picked. Um, and I think depending on which scout you asked, you'll get a different opinion on those four. But uh, Danielson has looked really impressive. I watched him yesterday against Seattle. I was really impressed by him. Uh, and he looks like a really nice all-around sentiment right now. Just to remind people, so uh, for this one, we're going to stick to the, to the chat. Um, so if you're in the queue, I know, Patrick, you're in there right now. We're going to try to stick to the the, the the chat log here for the questions. It just runs a little smoother for us that way. So feel free to post your questions in there. 
Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, continuing here, we got one on Gavin Brindley and a question on, you know, is he, could he potentially be a top 15 pick after showing a little more offense in the world junior? My feeling on Brindley is he's kind of more of a, of a late first prospect, but did he do anything to, to boost himself at, at the world juniors Corey? I don't think he would go that high. No, just small. I think he could be a center in the NHL, maybe like a Blake Lazat type of center. Uh, but like the scoring is not so significant either in junior or in college. Uh, to think that for that size, he'll go that high in the draft. Uh, but again, excellent skater, excellent competitor. There is some offense there. He's a really good player. I just don't know if, if you look at him, I think it's, it's special, uh, small player ability. Uh, I like the one question from Ben D. Thoughts on your ice left Koski so far. Would you still have the Montreal winger first overall? Um, and obviously I don't think Slavkovsky has been lights out as an 18 year old in the NHL, but you still see a lot of things you like a six, four guy who can skate and has pretty good hands. And, uh, you've seen flashes of, of the offensive ability there. But, uh, Max and I were talking about this yesterday is, you know, you look at that draft class. It's like, yeah, Slavkovsky hasn't been lights out good so far, but I mean, you look around that draft class and, and who, who is like, who is that guy who is definitely the, the best player from that draft? I think like Logan Cooley's had a very nice year at college, but it's not been like an exceptional, no doubt I'm the guy here. Your check's been very good, but, and he's in the, I think he's moved from the periphery of that argument to squarely in the argument, but his skating isn't amazing. Uh, you know, Shane Wright hasn't really played much hockey. So the data on him hasn't really changed that much. Like, I think if you believe in Slavkovsky as number one, Six months ago, I'm not sure there's a whole lot of new information to change that. I'll say this. When we talk about kind of positional value and how it factors into that conversation, a big right shot D who's proven they can score against men like that makes a pretty strong, just even on scarcity and how how rare players like that are, you might be able to convince me that, and it's it's the short sample, but a few months after that draft, you might be able to convince me that Juracek looks like the most valuable asset right yeah, I, I can believe it. I've had a few people in the league ask me if he can be like an Aaron Ekblad type of player. I'm not sure his skating is as good as Ekblad, but I see the stylistic similarities. And obviously, if he became that kind of player, that would be a very valuable asset. Yep, absolutely. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Sean, I don't think there's really a question here. Maybe it got cut off, but he's asking about Minchikov and not getting to play at the World Juniors. You don't get to see him compete against his elite peers. But what have you thought of Pavel Minchikov's year? He's another one of these defensemen from the last class who has taken 
offensively, he's one of the very top scorers in the OHL, and we knew he had offense. But uh, what do you make of, of Minchukov's year? What do you think he would have shown if he had been at the World Juniors? I mean, he's been awesome. I think he's been the best player in the Ontario Hockey League this season. I think he's a dynamic offensive defenseman with a ton of skill and he's got the goal scoring touch he can make plays he's a strong skater uh he's defense optional some nights but i i don't blame the coach for that for playing him in that way given how much talent he has uh no he, he's looked awesome and i think you look at that draft now i think we went into that draft with a discussion like hey this is it's going to be either david Yurichek or simon nemich is the best defenseman for this draft but i think a few uh months later you look at the years that Minchikov has had. You look at how good Kevin Korchinski has looked in Seattle. I think there's four you know, really, really strong defense prospects coming out of that draft class. At least that's what the early indicators are. Hannah C. wants to know if you got any movement or new thoughts on Will Smith. He's kind of the other guy around that conversation. I think a tier back, but maybe kind of in a in between tiers there, between kind of the Carlson, Mitchkov, and then, you know, the next tier, the Shalas and, and, and so on. Is he a tweener there for you, or is he in, in one or the other camp? I mean, yeah, he's a very high draft pick. I think he would go right around, you know, whatever, four to eight if the draft happened today. I think, I mean, he's dynamic. He, whenever you watch the NTD a team play like he stands out he's so skilled and creative and he makes all these high difficult plays at a, at a fast pace uh that that line in general him in between ryan leonard and gabriel perot uh just uh stand out every single time you watch them and uh, i think that speaks to their competitiveness as long as well as their talent and and he's the guy who drives that line not to say the other two aren't excellent players who do a lot but but he is definitely the driver um, and I think he will be a very high draft pick. Okay, a couple questions on Axel Sandin Pelica. Um, Zach O wants to know if if you think he's the best defenseman in this draft. Um, and Jordan H wants just to talk about him, kind of relative to you know Lundqvist, Brandstrom, Carlson, Boqvist, um, and, and the production that Sandin Pelica is putting up in in Sweden. Let's kind of start on the Zach O question because I know you're you're pretty fond of a couple of other guys as well. Top on deep. I am, but I think in terms of an offensive standpoint, he might be the best defenseman in the draft. I think Mikhail Gulyayev would be right there with him. Lucas Dragasevich would be up there. But I think you could argue he has the most offensive potential of any defenseman in the draft. Uh, a ton of skill, a really high-end offensive hockey sense, scores a lot of goals. Um, you know, there, there is offense there. Uh, he is a good skater. I don't think for 5'11", it's an, you know, an amazing skating uh, ability. So, you know, I can see maybe a comparable to Boakfist in that regard. I, I don't think his defending is as worrisome as Boakfist was at the same age or arguably is right now. I think, but I probably doesn't have the, that pure goal scoring threat that Adam had either. Uh, so I don't mind maybe an, an analogy there. Uh, like I would have, even though Adam went in the top 10, I would have concerns taking Axel in the top 10. I don't know if there's the all-around value there, but he is a very good player. And I, you know, he whether it's the first, second, third, fourth defenseman uh picked in this draft, he will go high. The other guys, you know, obviously Reinbacher, I think is your was your top in the in the most recent ranking and, and Dmitry Simashev from Russia 
is a guy I really like. He, he'd probably be my number one defenseman, just off the yeah, tools. Yeah, I think there's – depending on who you ask, you can get different answers. Some would say Reinbacker. Some would say Sivashev. Some would say Sandin Pelika. I've even heard a little Oliver Bonk of late. Uh, I think – and that's just because I think there is a lack of a clear guy. Uh, but I think those are all guys who are having very strong seasons and, and are in the mix. And, and even uh, I've heard Dragosevich as a minority opinion. So Patrick M., who was our guy who was in the, the stage queue, got his question into the chat. He wants to talk about Andrew Cristal and the hype from some outlets um, on, on him. Obviously, the production from Cristal is, uh, is outstanding. But he says, what's the difference between him and Jordan Dumais or Josh Waugh? His toolkit plus size combo doesn't scream top 15 pick. Would you agree? My reaction, Patrick, would be yes. I agree with you. I, I would have a hard time, and especially with the skating. You watch, you watch him, and it doesn't look – you question what the translatability of, of the skating is for me. But, Corey, what do you think? That's my concern as well. It's a very wonky skating stride. It's like it's a lot of mohawking and 10-2 and that you see in his stride. Um, and, it, and it's just like it feels like his hips just work in that way where it, it kind of defaults the same way like say Antonio Strange did in his draft year but I think the difference is Strange did this with power and could get around guys and I don't see that as much with Cristal not to say that he isn't a very good hockey player he has a like you watch Kelowna's games and he gets a ton of scoring chances he's around the puck a lot he works hard he gets to the net uh, he's an excellent hockey player but there is a concern there on, on how it translates to higher levels. Uh, you know, we, we had a very, very similar discussion with Bobby Brink in his draft season. And I think he was a guy everybody thought was going in the first round and ultimately did not. I think this player is better than Brink in part because I think the WHL is better than the USHL. So there's a little bit more evidence of, of it translating to a slightly better level. Uh, but it's still junior hockey, and, and I, I just don't see top 15. doesn't mean he can't be a first-round pick, but I think top 15 for me is not realistic at this stage. I think I would have a hard time taking him in the first round. And, and one of the things that's, that's interesting with players like this is you don't really get to find out until they make the NHL of, of how big of a concern it was. Bobby Brink uh, was one of the very best players in college hockey, which to me usually is a really good indicator of what's going to translate. Um, and, and I think still think Bobby Brink can be a really good player too. So I don't want to, you know, get that lost here either. But to me, to be a first round pick, I really want to have a high level of confidence knowing what I'm getting. And I just think with the size skating profile, it's hard to find that like real resolute confidence for me at least. Yeah. And, and Brink wasn't that right away in college. And uh, we'll see how he does in pro. Just came back from uh, a several month injury. He's got a goal in his first American League game of the year. But uh, he's. You know, we'll see uh, how his career goes. Like, I think Nick Patan, too, went the second round. I think Avili Tolvanen went in the late first. That seems to be the profile for these uh, type of players. Uh, let's go back to the chat because there's, there's a lot of them coming in. Um, anything stand out to you here, Max? Yeah, uh, Michael W. wants you to talk about Montreal's young D-men, especially Caden Gooley. Uh, what have you made to him? I know he's a, a player who I think rose on your most recent or, or your upcoming, I should say, uh, U23 list. Yeah, he said something about how he's not liked by the analytics, and I don't know what specifically he's referring to. Maybe he can elaborate in, in the chat what the issue there is. But, I mean, whenever I've watched Montreal this season, uh, and, I, and, I'll, and admittedly not a lot of NHL games lately due to just my uh, 
focus on the world juniors. Uh, but whenever I've watched him, I, I mean, I think he's looked really good. I mean, I think he's a big, highly physical defender who makes a lot of stops and the, the offense has never been like a, the puck movies ever been amazing, but I think it's been solid. Like he looks like a reliable NHL player with the puck and who's as his usual self is very solid and hard to play against defensively. Um, I, I mean, I think Gooley's an excellent player. Uh, Andres F simply asked, what are we thinking on Matt Savoy? Which there, there was another question on Savoy a little bit earlier that, um, that was there too. So I think we could spend a little bit of time on him. The ninth overall pick obviously last year. Um, and, and a player who I think even going into that draft, there was a lot of conversation about, is he a center or a wing? Is he going to translate? I think he's a really good skater for the size. So I still think he's a, a good NHL player someday, but for me, probably a wing. What's kind of your overall view on, on Matthew Savoy's draft plus one so far? It's been interesting because when I've watched the Winnipeg ice, I think he's looked really impressive uh, the couple of games I was at live and as well as just watching a lot of their games from home, like I think he stands out. He's really, really fast. He's skilled. He competes well. Uh, but for whatever reason, the offense has not translated this year. I mean, I don't know the exact numbers, but I think he's something like in the 30s or the 40s in, in WHL scoring as in like terms of the rank in the league, which is not what you expected from him this year, given, given all of his talent. Uh, I still think this is a very good hockey player, a guy who could be a top six forward, probably a top six winger in the NHL. Um, but like I said the offense is the lack of offense for a small guy is concerning. It, it's hard to get around that. And it looks like it might take more time than we thought. But but frankly, with the Buffalo Sabres right now, it could take some time. I mean, this is, I think, as of now, the number one scoring team in the NHL. So I don't think they they are dying for a 19-year-old to step into their lineup and and score for them. I think they can, you know, work with Matthew and and take the amount of time, you know, in the WHL and the American League as as they need to, you know, to bulk him up and and get him ready to be an NHL player. Here's a good one from Ryan L. Outside of Connor Bedard, who are the best pure goal scorers in the top half of the first round? I'm going to also take Mavi Mitchkov off the board for you there because you can. We're not just going to talk about the top three or four guys in this draft. Who, who are some of the best pure goal scorers in the draft? Okay, he said top half of the first round. Uh, let's just say first round because we're getting pretty narrow at that point. First round. Yeah, I mean, I think, like I was going to say, maybe not even a first rounder, but he might be a late first, probably more of a second. But I think Bradley Nato and, and Penticton is a very impressive goal scorer. He has a he has a great shot. Uh, obviously, uh, Colby Barlow's shot has always been impressive. Matthew Wood's shot is, is very impressive. Um, and he's always been a goal scoring threat. Um, probably Jaeger is the one that maybe most comes to mind. Like his shot is is really impressive. Um, the offensive totals for him have not been maybe as amazing this season as expected. I saw another question there about Jaeger, so we're kind of answering two with one uh, here. But uh, but I think Jaeger is a very good hockey player, all-around player. He, the offense has been a little, little bit better of late. Um, you know, he's a goal scorer, but also a two-way player. Uh, but I think those would the, be the main ones from the goal scoring front that comes to mind. What about Oliver Moore, who hasn't put up crazy totals, but I think when you think about the speed and shot that he's shown, can he be that? Or is it still more of kind of a puck transporting speed than, than a goal scoring kind of speed? His numbers haven't been amazing this year, but it's an interesting NTDP team this season in that regard is that, we, as Afro mentioned, they have the one loaded line with Smith, uh, Perot, and Leonard, 
and uh, and and they load up that top power play with those guys, and it it almost reminds me a little bit of the Jack Eichel NTDP team that had Jack Eichel centering Sonny Milano and Alex Tuck, and on that second line you had Dylan Larkin. I'm not saying Oliver Moore is as good as Dylan Larkin is at the same age. Although in terms of where they're projected in the draft, it's the, it's the same range, but he was also like more is this really excellent skating guy. He defends. Well, the offense has been good. You see this flashes of the skill, but it's not like a ton of production, but I think there is a lot of pro potential, a lot of tools with this player. I think he's the best pure skater in the draft. And I think there is a lot of, it wouldn't shock me if he goes to college next year and he just puts up real numbers right away. How would you compare him to like Casper in last year's draft, who maybe didn't have crazy offensive numbers, but I think is a really, really good skater. More might be a little faster, but both really good skaters and have kind of that defensive conscience too. How, how would you compare those two guys? And we can maybe bring Danielson, I guess, into that. It was a two-way center. I think that that's not too far off. I think with Casper, that's the, just that he did it versus men gave you a little bit more confidence. Like he was really good in the SHL, really good in the SHL playoffs, and really good at the World Championships. Is you got a little bit more data that it was going to translate to higher levels. Uh, we just don't have that data with more right now. I think what will be interesting with more in the second half is I have to imagine after the February international tournaments that that loaded. 17 team on the NTDP is going to get some guys called up, whether it's James Higgins or Cole Iserman or some of the other forwards or defensemen. They've got a lot of really good players in that team. And I'll be interested to see how this U.S. under-18 team ultimately looks in April because I think some of those guys maybe put them with Oliver Moore and maybe it changes how he looks on the ice. And I think he's got a little bit better shot than Casper, just as I think about it. But I just it was just something that came to my mind. But that's a good point. I mean, he could be a riser for that reason, just as the supporting cast uh, around him improves. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. That's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anything stand out to you here in the chat? I'm just kind of scrolling right now. I'm playing catch up. Did you have anything uh, mentally queued up? Uh, two questions that were being asked. I, a couple, three. I see one's about Snuggerud, Bstedt, and and Broberg. Uh, we can kind of address Bstedt and Snuggerud together. In that, I think those are two guys who, in different ways, have had very nice first halves. Excellent World Juniors. Uh, Bstedt as a kind of this big mobile centerman with with good offense, and and you know I think he's outplayed. Some similar Swedes from his own draft, whether it be Liam Ogren, Jonathan Likaramaki, Noah Oslin, like he looked better than all of them at that tournament. And uh, I think we look at the pro toolkit. I think he looks really promising right now for San Jose. Snuggerud, obviously just 
What a first half for that guy. Just one of the best players in college in the first half. Uh, excellent world junior. Uh, there's a lot of tools there. I know Jeremy Rutherford just wrote about him today uh, for us at The Athletic. I, I still not in love with the feet, although I saw some quotes in there in that article that said the feet were have the feet issues are gone. I'm not I'm not sure I buy that completely, but I think the competitiveness is really good and the skill and the scoring ability are all really good. And I think that's a promising player. And then lastly, on on Broberg, his case will be interesting. So I feel like when he's been in the American League over the last two years, when I've watched him, he's been quite good. Uh, you haven't quite seen it in the NHL yet, but like that Oilers team is kind of weird, right? Like the way they use their players is yeah. they just absolutely load up those top guys with the ice time and the opportunities and the, and the periphery guys, you know, whether it's been, you know, McLeod or Pooley RV or, or, or other young guys, it's tough to get opportunity on that team because they have those superstars and they're trying to win. But I, I just think with Broberg with that length and, and that skating and, and having enough skill, like I think he's going to get be a top four guy. I don't know when it's going to be. And I don't know how all that, how that roster shakes up ultimately, uh, within their attempts to contend, but but I still I do believe in Broberg. We got a lot of Red Wings fans in here asking the uh, thoughts on Marco Casper and William Wallander question. I will tell you guys I'm going to Rogla this weekend, so for next week I'll be there and I'll have a much better uh, up close sense for them then. And obviously we'll have some stories coming off of that. Um, but I think humble, we can talk about it. yeah, not maybe not even so humble, um, but. Uh, we could talk about him for a second here. I, I think Wallander's probably been one of their bigger risers in the system this year, going from a guy who, you know, last summer, heading into what was the what became the canceled World Junior Tournament, he didn't make that team, and it didn't look like the wrong decision um, based on the summer camp. He was already starting to kind of rise when he was when he was at Rogla, um, but now Corey, I know you you think a lot more highly of him than maybe both of us did a year and a half ago. Yeah, and to out of curiosity, is it Wallinder or like Valinder? I'm not sure on the pronunciation. You should probably get that down it before is, you meet him. In I person. believe it is technically the V sound, um, but I sometimes don't still want to confuse people. But I believe it's technically Valinder. All right, just making sure, just being a nerd about this. But yeah, no, I think I, I always respected the size and the skating there. Like I questioned what the role was. Like I didn't see big time offense. I didn't see like this this big hard to play against defender. But I think you are seeing the offense now this year. And now there's kind of a role that's emerging a little bit for, for Valinder. Like, you know, got this big mobile guy and he's making plays on the power play. and He's got like a big shot. And I'm not saying he's going to be a power play guy in the NHL, but you're saying, oh, okay, he can move pucks in the NHL possibly now to go with, you know, that length and that skating. Maybe he's not like a go-to PK guy, but he's like the fourth or the fifth option for you in the lineup. To And like there's some – he looks much more attractive now from an NHL standpoint. I think it's been a promising year for him. Yeah, and I think when I called to Rogo last year, as I was doing some of my reporting for the pipeline stories, that was one of the, the defense was actually one of the things that, that came up. And I think there was a willingness there that they, they could sense to, to to work on that. And I think that's an important part of, of all this too. Really quick on Casper. My read there is it's been pretty much exactly what you wanted to see. Um, in terms of the expected trajectory, he's, he's not producing crazy, but he's producing well, and he's playing a really big role. I think he looks like a two-way center who's got a chance to be a, a top six center, probably more of a second line center. But I, I think he's right on track. Is that fair, Corey? 
Yep, that would be my stance too. Like I, I don't think the offense – I think the offense is good. Like he shows you skill. Like there is offense there for sure. I don't think it's ever going to be his calling card. I don't think he's like a top power play guy in the NHL. But I think he could be a really nice two-way centerman. Here's an interesting one from Zach O. With, with Norway coming in next year, are there any – I assume he means the World Juniors. Are there any intriguing Norwegian prospects we should be following? Uh, the name's going to escape me. There's this guy in Sweden that's playing well. Um, Molgard, I think it is. Uh, but I don't remember like him off the top of my head. But I think he's going to be – I think he'll be drafted in the top, like, whatever, third, fourth, fifth round this year. Okay, there we go. Uh, Dylan H. wants to know uh, your thoughts on the top QMJHL prospects this year. Anything beyond Gauthier worth uh, keeping tabs on? Uh, I think Etienne Morin is, is a good player. I'm actually watching him right now. I'm not really paying much attention, but it, I am watching Moncton play Quebec right now. I think he's a good player. Uh, a lot of offense there. You know, moves it well. Good shot. Good skill. Skating's not like amazing, but it's fine. Like uh, he's a good player. Gauthier has actually not had a huge season, which is a little concerning. Um, but but he's still a good player. Uh, Matteo Mann. Uh, is is a good prospect. Limited offense, but big mobile. I think he's like six four, six five, and he can skate. So there's uh, some pro uh, potential there. I think it's not an amazing year though for the Q. Okay, another one from uh, Pat. Yeah, and, and 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 Jack corrected me. Molgard is not Norwegian. He is Danish. My apologies, Jack. Ah, you've insulted the, you've insulted Denmark. Um, would you rather have Tim Stutzler or Matty Beniers? That's from Patrick M. Um, it would be really close. I think like, it's it'd probably be a coin flip to be quite honest, right? Like, um, we are going to put a new, uh, under 23 list out, uh, next week. And I think I have those guys back to back. Um, still got to figure that out though. So, uh, sorry for not giving me a better answer, but I'd, uh, I'm still working through that. It's a very good debate. Um, Another one from, from Patrick M. Do the Ducks have the best collection of defense prospects outside the NHL? We talked about Minchikov. Uh, Olin Zellweger, I guess, is part of the reason he's asking this question. I don't necessarily want to ask you about do the Ducks have the best collection of defense prospects outside the NHL. I want to ask you who has the best collection of defense prospects outside the NHL. Uh, yeah, that's, that's really tough. I mean, they, they would have to be up there, right? I mean, I guess it depends whether you still consider Drysdale a prospect or not, but just Minchikov. And, and Zellweger by themselves are really good. I mean, Columbus would be really good. I probably, you know, Yurichek, Matejchuk, Spozilk. It's probably, I, but my answer probably is New Jersey. Um, you know, Luke Hughes, Simon Nemich, and I think Shakir Makamadoulin has looked really impressive this season. What I've watched. Seamus Casey's had a nice year too. Is uh, is Carson Coleman's as we or Carson Coleman's? I forget which one he is. Is it Corson Coleman's, the one that was at the, the Columbus Col- project? Yeah. Yeah, that's Columbus, yes. Okay, yeah. How's he been this year? Is he doing anything? Uh he well he didn't make Canada's World Junior team, so it, it's like that was a little that was wasn't ideal for him. But I, I ha well I've watched Wisconsin and sometimes he's been really good and sometimes he's been just okay. All right. Uh here's another this or that. Coolidge or least <laughs> Uh, probably would lean Coolidge at this point. I think Coolidge is on is trending up. I saw a question from Dylan H right now asking about the next draft ranking. So the next U23 ranking, that means pro- players within NHL organizations, is next week. The next draft ranking will be a couple of weeks after that. I'm guessing 
towards the end of the month will be the next draft board. Okay. Should we make a last call here for, for thoughts? And then uh, maybe we'll, we'll give it five more minutes or so and, uh, and, and go on from there. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, you know, Andreas F was Andres, not Andreas. Andres F was asking whether Wyatt Johnson is for real. Um, and I mean, it's hard to argue the answer is no right now. I mean, what more has the guy got to do? He was awesome in the OHL last year. He's been, you know, for a teenager on a very good NHL team in Dallas, he's been quite impressive, plays a significant role for them. Uh, the skating isn't amazing, but everything else there is pretty strong. I mean, the skill, the hockey sense, he works hard, um, makes a ton of plays. Um, you know, definitely can give you some David Krejci vibes in terms of his potential. Like, I, I mean, I think they look like they got a real player there. Uh, Sean, I, I think that is, I don't, can't tell if it's that or, or an L cause the name's in lowercase, but, uh, who in your opinion is Colorado's best prospect and who should they flip for help at the deadline in a trade? Um, I think like those, there's like three guys that are similar range, Oscar Olsen, Jean-Luc Hudy and Stennis and, uh, Sean Barron's, but I'm not sure any of them are really like top end prospects that will have significant value, but, but, but they're all like. Solid prospects. I mean, Olison as as the centerpiece, does he get you the kind of you know you figure Colorado probably wants a second line center to replace Kadri? Like, what are you having to package with Olison to to pull a whether it's Bo Horvat or whoever else, Jonathan Taves if he moves? I'm guessing their first round pick is their best asset right now. Okay, more so than the prospects. That's fair. Uh, Thoughts on Cutter Gauthier? That's from Eric B., a guy who uh, – and we can follow up with that uh, Willander one after that because uh, I, I skipped that earlier, Jordan. But uh, thoughts on Cutter Gauthier coming out of the World Juniors? Uh, I mean, I think Gauthier has looked very good this year. I think it's a pretty similar discussion to where he was at the, with the program. Is He's a very good hockey player. There's a lot of things there you like. The production isn't exceptional. Like he hasn't – taken off but you still see a lot of potential there you still see a 6-3 guy who can skate he has skill he makes some plays he has a very good shot uh there's a lot there uh to like but we're still waiting for him to take that next step and kind of become like uh, a truly you know elite scorer quickly with jeffrey m is yaroslav askarov reestablishing his value this year i would say yes i've been very impressed by him when i've watched him this year and scouts i've talked to who've watched milwaukee have said very positive things as well uh, do you want to talk about Villander? I assume that's that's going to be the pronunciation there on uh, on Jordan H. Jordan H.'s question. Do you have a, a thought on him? And I know you and I talked about him just earlier this week. I think we talked about him today. That's right. Their days are all running. Yeah, I think Tom's a good player. Like he's six one, good skater. I don't think it's a high end puck moving game. He's like you know more transporting with his feet. Um, Kind of a second or a third round pick for me. I think he's a, he's a good player, but like like I would in terms of the Swedish defenseman, like he's not close to like Sandin Palika, for example. He's probably more similar to Theo Lindstein in terms of pure value. Any any more here before we uh, sign off for the day? We got a few still coming in. Uh, we could do another this or that. Mintikov or Zellweger for offensive potential. I don't know if you can really se- separate it fully, but we got it. Probably is. Like a coin flip, and it makes me wonder, like, what is Zellweger's future in that organization? Like, I think he's a very good hockey player, and obviously, just obviously, 
an amazing junior player. You look at what he just went for in a trade a couple of days ago. Uh, but in, in the same organization that's going to have Drysdale, that, that has Michikov, and, and has other, you know, you know whether it's camp, whether we don't know whether the camp value is going to be there long term or not. But but like you know, Zellweger's value is clearly on the power play. So I do wonder if those players long term can coexist, uh, being such offensive driven defensemen, Mitchkov with much more size, or whether Zellweger could be a trade piece used down the line, kind of like the way Niels Lundqvist was just used by the Rangers. I don't think Drysdale needs the power play to be a twenty minute right. pickup. I tend to agree. I think Zellweger ha- is more of a natural power play guy than Drysdale is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. We'll give you a one or two, and then and then we'll sign off. Anything grabbing you here? Uh, well, Donnie B has been persistent by Ryan Efko. I think he's a good player, competitive, smart, but not an amazing skater for that size. So that's the question on the pro potential. Uh, RJ asks about Charlie Stramel. I'm a Charlie Stramel fan. I think he's going to go top. 20 top 15. I think that's kind of right, right where I have him ranked. I think he could be a second line center in the NHL. Um, a really good all around centerman size, skating, physicality, good, not amazing offense. Uh, uh, I think uh, that is, um, that's kind of where I sit on him. Anything here you're seeing, Max? Uh, I like the Scott S one on the Seamus Casey thing because Seamus Casey played forward for a game at Michigan the other day. And I think he had like three points. He played center. Um, I think we're pretty. Yes, exactly. But I think we are sold on him sticking at D, right? Uh, Yes, I would imagine that is the long-term projection for him. Although I appreciate the creativity on Michigan's part when they were missing their entire lineup. And that was for an exhibition game. That was not for a Big Ten. Yes, that was against the NTDP. I will say, you could have a similar conversation with Seamus Casey that we just had about Olin Zellweger. And where does he get his power play from on a team that has Luke Hughes, Simon Nemec, and Dougie Hamilton already there? I think you could have a very similar conversation about him. I think you can have the same conversation about Luke Hughes and Simon Nesh. Hello, we can have that. You know, I mean, I, well, I think ultimately what they're going to do is like what Colorado has done when they've been fully healthy is they got to like try this, the two or the three defenseman power play unit and just, you know, when, you're, when your most skilled players are defensemen, that's going to end up being your power play. But I don't know. They got a lot of skill in New Jersey already. So it'll be really interesting to see what they do. I will say for for as much as the four forward power play, and I know some people push for the five forward power play has, has become a thing, when you have really, really good offensive D, it's okay to still use 2D on a power play. You can still put Luke Hughes on a flank. You can still put Dougie Hamilton on a flank, and that's okay. Like It's not the end of the world. Minchikov is another guy. I think he could play the flank quite well if you needed him to. I think that's where he would be a natural fit, honestly, with his skill and his shots. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes the problem can be solved that way. You don't just have to have two D who play on the power play. But um, I think that's going to do it for us here today. Um, unless you got anything else, Corey. Uh, one last one because Sean's been persistent. Liam Foodie is still upside. Probably a guy just you think as a depth guy, skating, bottom six winger type of thing. Um, that's kind of where I, I would stand on him right now. Uh, but otherwise, uh, I think that's it for us, Max. All right, sounds good. Thank you, everybody, for, uh, for stopping by today and, and talking with us. We really appreciate you guys uh, keeping the questions uh, consistent for us. And uh, we'll do one of these again. Uh, Don't really know exactly when, but before too long. So we appreciate you guys.